Welcome to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon, where our mission is bringing the good news and demonstrating the kingdom. Join us live for Worship in the Word Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on our YouTube channel. We hope you are encouraged and equipped by this week's word with our founding pastor, Denny Klein. Hey, that was good news, wasn't it? Thank God for the Gideons. That's awesome. Well, God's really been speaking this morning through the worship and through Julie's prophetic word. And I don't know, that was, I don't know if it was a prophetic word or what, how you meant it. But uh, anyway, it was timely. Um, because I told Emily, she, wanted, she asked if I wanted to speak this week, and I'm taking off for the Midwest next Sunday for a month. And so... She asked if I wanted to speak, and I said, well, yeah, but I actually have this word about prayer. And uh, bold access in prayer. And I really feel like it would be helpful to all of us. So let's just stand up for a minute, kind of uh, take a moment to just invite the Holy Spirit to manifest his presence and power on us as we just delve into his word this morning. Father, I thank you that you always hear us and that you are a good father who loves every one of us here this morning. In fact, you love the whole world. You sent your son to a cruel death on the cross because you love the world so much. And I just thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity, Lord, to be here today, Lord, and still preach your word with boldness. And I thank you, God, for the access that we have to the throne of grace this morning to come to you boldly in our time of help and need for whatever that would be, Lord. And so I just ask that you would anoint me and you would anoint all of us, Lord, this morning to actually be transformed by the word in a way that has real change and benefit and fruit in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Keith, if you want to go ahead and put up that first scripture, um, I want to talk about the bold access we have in prayer because I think sometimes we forget what we really have. And one of the ways that you know your faith is beginning to wane is when you stop daily just simply going to God and asking for what you need in prayer. If you think about it, you know, when all of a sudden you're just not even really going to God about your life and your daily needs and time's going by and pretty soon you're just, you know, you're wrestling them out in your emotions. You're thinking it through. You know, it's like you're expecting God to just know whatever you think and he'll just do whatever because you do whatever. That means your faith is actually beginning to slide into, you know, just a a dormant place. And so today I really felt like to to just bring something that would encourage us to remind us how much access we have to God because of the cross, because of what Jesus did. I mean... We know that, that, uh, this, that there's no separation between us now. The wall of partition was completely torn in two between us and God and that 
There is no, you know, like billion light years away. God is not a billion light years away. The kingdom of God is right here and at hand. And, he, and God's presence is right here with us. But we can get so distracted, we just forget. And so, first of all, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. <clears throat> For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet he did not sin. And that just simply, it simply means that he didn't, do, he didn't do what was wrong. He didn't, he didn't miss the mark. He did the right thing. He didn't do the wrong thing at every single point, even though he was tempted in every way as we are. Jesus, believe it or not, Jesus as a man was tempted, probably tempted by women, probably tempted by strong drink, probably tempted to lash out and beat the tar out of somebody. You know, he was tempted in every way that we're tempted, Yet, he didn't do the wrong thing. He did the right thing. And so he understands. And we have now, because he went to the cross, we have bold access to come to the throne of what's called the throne of grace, which is God's throne of favor towards us. And he's showing us mercy in time of help and need. And that's there for us every day, all day long, all the time, for every situation, for every single need. But how often we forget we got that kind of access. And you know, there's a lot of religious garbage out there. I'm just going to shoot some sacred cows here. I just saw this recently, and it was like confirmed what I was thinking. Some guy in a long teaching about you have to be able to pray what God wants you to pray, or you're not going to get the answers to your prayers. That's just a bunch of religious gobbledygook. There is nothing in Scripture that says that you have to know exactly what God wants you to pray before you pray. When we come in to, to God, we're coming to a throne of grace and should do so with confidence and, and know that he actually cares about our every need. And why don't you put up Matthew chapter 7, and here's what he says to do. He doesn't say to think about it. He doesn't say to worship about it. Worship, uh, let me just say it like this. Worship is worship. Waiting is waiting. Think is, thinking is thinking. And praying is asking. Now, that got me in trouble with somebody years ago to say that because, you know, you can go and, and just build a construct out of Scripture. Well, God knows our every thought, so I can just think, and I don't need to ask anything because God knows what I need before I would even ask it. So I'll just think it. And so what you actually end up doing is you start thinking it and thinking it and thinking it and wrestling with it, and your emotions get all tied up in it, and you never actually go to the throne of God and ask God for anything to help. You just think it through, right? Right? That's not prayer. This is prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened to him. Now I love this. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? That'd be pretty rotten, wouldn't it? Can I have some bread, Dad? No, here's a rock. Chew on that for a while. Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a snake. Yikes. That'd be even worse. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And then it says to do, ever, do unto others as they would have you do unto them, or to you have them do unto you. Tax that on to the end as far as the, in terms of motivation. So I, I can remember the first time I ever began to ask God anything because growing up, we didn't go to church. There was no conversation about God. Nothing. I was pretty much just dead to God growing up. But after Ann and I gave our lives to, to Christ as young hippies, and the first thing that I asked was, God, if you can do anything with me, save me. And he did. I mean, it was like instant. Just everything changed. Not everything, but many things changed right away as soon as I asked the Lord to save me. <clears throat> but then we, we were in a, I was in a rock band, and Ann and I had been married a year. I was in a rock band. That all broke up, and we had actually purchased a piece of land out here with another couple to help them, thinking we would never come out here. But after the band broke up, one of the first things, second, probably the second thing I asked God was, what do we do? And he said, go to Oregon and build a house on that land. So we moved, we just picked up everything and moved 2,000 miles away to Oregon and uh, began to build a house out here, not knowing that it had something to do with calling and destiny. Just, you know, I asked God what to do and he told me. The third thing uh, that happened that was big, this is all before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, at that point, I was like not really communicating with God that much. I was reading the Bible some, but not really understanding that much. And, uh, but then another, another kind of situation that could have put us on a completely different path came up where a friend of ours from Colorado came out to visit us, uh, Joe Burleson, and he, he was building houses in Colorado, and he saw what, what I'd done with our house, you know, even though I was, you know, I didn't know anything. I basically built a house out of a Mechanics Illustrated book. So, so he saw that I could, you know, do that kind of work. And he said, why don't you guys move to Colorado and join me in building houses? It's a boom that's happening out there, you know, by Boulder and Longmont and Denver. And it's like, it's just going crazy, the housing development and everything. He said, make a lot of money. And so I went to the Lord and I asked him again. It's like I hadn't really been communicating with him that much, but I asked him, I said, Lord, what do you think about this? Should we move to Colorado and, and I'd become a house builder? Because at that point still, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And the Lord spoke to me clearly and he said, 
Denny, haven't I taken care of you all along and here in Oregon as well? You know, what do you need with a whole lot of money? I'm your provider. I'll take care of you. That was my answer. So I was like, sorry, Joe. We're not going to go to Colorado. He saw success for about a year and a half, and then the whole thing fell, bottom fell out and uh, just completely lost his shirt. And if we would have moved to Colorado, you know, it would have been a real bummer. <laughs> so anyway, I'm saying this is because of asking God, not just thinking it through, not just wrestling it through in my emotions or even asking other people, but taking it to God in prayer. Um, this, going back to this whole thing of, of uh, you have to, to know what God's will is first before you can ask him anything in prayer. I realize that the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, would, might give you the indication that you can only pray things that have to do with God's will. But again, Jesus never really said that. And when he gave this prayer, my, my take on the prayer is like, you guys are asking me to teach you to pray because you don't know anything about prayer. So first of all, he gave them ask, seek, knock. And they're like, well, teach us to pray. Even after that. He's like, no, pray this way. And the thing is, is it's a prayer for somebody who doesn't know what to pray. It's not a prayer for somebody who knows what they need. It's a prayer for somebody who doesn't know what they need. So anyway, consider Psalm 37. Trust in, rely on, and have confidence in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed securely on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires and petitions of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him also, and he will do it. Well, what does that say to you? Do you think it's actually to, okay to ask things that are in your heart, that are desires? If you're devoted to God, if you're committed to his way, and you go to the Lord in prayer with the desires of your heart because you're devoted to him, it says that he'll give you what you ask for. He'll, he'll grant your petitions. That's pretty radical, isn't it? Again, prayer means to ask or make supplication. Asking is asking. Worshiping is worshiping. Waiting is waiting. Thinking is thinking. We can mistakenly actually bundle all that together and think all of that is prayer and never get around to asking. Well, I'm worshiping, I'm waiting, I'm thinking, I'm wrestling. God certainly knows what I need. I don't need to ask him anything, which is contrary to what Jesus teaches, which is to ask, to seek, and to knock, and it'll be open to you. And James said this, the apostle, he said, you don't have because you don't ask God. When you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on what you spend what you get on your pleasures. So, yeah, we can we can be selfish about this and and go awry in our asking. That's true, but it's not 
that doesn't mean that we shouldn't ask because right at the beginning he says, you're not receiving because you don't ask. Here's how I really feel about it these days. I'm, I'm 74, but I, then I think I'm inside I'm getting younger. I may be getting older on the outside, but on the inside I'm getting younger, and I hope that before you know, I go to my eternal reward that I actually get back to being like a child on the inside. Now, I don't mean childish, like wah, 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 you know, uh, give me this, give me that, everything's about me. I don't mean childish, but Jesus said that when we come to the end of the kingdom, we must come like a child, like a little child. What did he mean by that? He means humble, expectant, knowing that your Father in heaven is good. Man, we sang about that a lot today, about how good God is. And when you think about a child, they know how to ask. And they know how to ask persistently. It's like, whether it's a, a question or whether it's like, can I have some cinnamon toast or whatever, you know, <laughs> and I want it right now. Whatever it is, you know, they know how to ask and be persistent. Dad, what's that mean? Dad, what's that mean? Dad, what's that mean? You know, they just keep coming at you, right? Actually, Jesus is saying to us, keep coming. And that's what we heard this morning from Julie, and that's what we heard in other ways today in the worship. Keep coming to God. Keep going to the throne of grace. Keep pestering your heavenly Father. Keep asking him for what you need and the help that you need. Don't stop asking him. Keep Go like a kid and expect that he hears you and know that he hears you, and he cares about you enough to listen to you and he'll give you what you need. You go, well, what if it doesn't look like what I asked for? And what if it takes a really long time? I mean, I thought it would happen this way, and it would happen really fast, and now it's like years for some things. Well, I mean, this is too simple. He's God and we're not. He's God and we're not. I mean, if you want his job, do, do like Bruce Almighty. I love that movie. That's a great movie. He, you, know, it's, you know, because he thinks he knows how things should go and how things should be answered, he just hits the yes button because he's tired of answering people's prayers that are coming in. So he goes, yes. And then he looks outside and the whole world's in chaos. Thank God we're not in charge. We don't see things the way he sees things. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Ways are not his ways. We can tap into that, but truly, they are not. He's, he's at another level. <laughs> God's at another level than the rest of us. I'll just put it like that. So we, so we want to come to him like a child. And... 
In saying that, again, not childish, this would be childish. This might push some buttons too. We shouldn't be praying prayers of vengeance. Prayers of vengeance are not allowed. God said clearly, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. So I know there's a lot of frustrating situations out there, people, you know, circumstances, culture, all this kind of stuff swirling around. Believe me, I know. I've yelled at the TV too many times <laughs> to be in my right mind at this point, you know. But when you pray about those things, we're not told to pray against things. We're told to pray for something, not against something. I don't see anything in Scripture that says, I pray against blah, 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 blah. In fact, you know, I mean, that was pretty common in the 80s, you know, when I was first in ministry, people were praying against abortion, praying against this, praying against that. And one day we were in worship and and. And people stood up there at Providence and they prayed and they started praying this stuff, you know, and just, I pray against this and I pray against that. And, and then I, I saw this vision, the mind picture, vision, whatever. And uh, what it was was there were all these issues that were written on balloons up in the sky. And the devil was up there laughing and every time people would pray against these issues, those balloons would just pop. And the enemy was just laughing. And I said, man, what is that? And the Lord said, I never told anybody to pray against anything. I told you to pray for something. So what can we do when we're really frustrated with these bigger issues? We can pray for justice, for justice. We can pray for righteousness. We can pray for salvation and for, and for revival and for awakening and all these things. How many of you have ever heard of a guy named Praying Hyde, John Hyde? Yeah, a few of you. He actually was from New England, Portland, Maine. And this, they said this guy died of a broken heart because he was so passionate about souls and prayers. He died at 47 years of age, but his knees were swelled up from being on his knees all the time. And this guy was really passionate about going to God in prayer, like every watch of the night and then all during the day. And he actually worked a job as well. And so there, he was a missionary in India and he was going to leave, but because of the relationship that he developed with God in prayer, when he told the people that he was going to leave, they begged him to stay. Even though he thought, well, I'm not really seeing that much fruit, you know, and what I'm doing and this and that. But the people of India came and said, please don't leave. We've never met anybody like you. Please don't leave. So he stayed a couple more years. Then he went to England, and he got on his knees, and I can't pronounce the name of the, the township, you know, that he was in. But he got on his knees and began to pray for revival in this town for a couple of years. And wouldn't you know, God answered the prayer. He poured out his spirit. They had a massive revival. And many people came to salvation. 
And I'm just using that as one man's example, you know. I'm not saying all of us should be praying hide. I'm saying we have this access to the throne of grace. Why don't we use it? And why don't we use it every day? I mean, you don't have to get up at every watch of the night if you don't want to, but you certainly can come to God every day with what you need instead of trying to just wrestle it out and think it through. Um, Again, coming like a child, consider this parable that Jesus gave about a woman who pleads with a judge. This is Luke 18, 1 through 8. Uh, That's four. Let me start a little further back. Then he spoke a parable to, to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God or regard man, and there was a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. Now, she didn't say, go smoke my adversary. She said, get justice for me, right? She didn't come with vengeance. She came with a request. And... He would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest her continual coming will weary me. Hear what the righteous, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Will he really find faith on the earth? And I don't know if I've ever said this before, but um, how many of you know who Akiana the artist is? Yeah, I, got, I went to her house a couple of times and, and visited with her along with some other people that, uh, when we were doing a conference up in Idaho. And she's just an amazing young woman. And she was like really young then. I think she was only like maybe 12, 13 years old at that time. And so she had all these paintings she was working on, and then she had one that was pretty much done, and she didn't go put them in uh, art museums or anything like that at the time. And what it was was there's this, this beautiful painting of this canyon with a river running through it. And there were all these birds that were flying through the canyon, and some of them were hitting the wall and falling into the river, and some of them were going right into light, into the horizon and right into the to light. And so I, I went up to her and I said, what is this painting, you know, because she didn't talk about that one. She said, oh, that painting's about prayer. I said, explain it to me. She said, well, the birds are the prayers of God's people and the ones that are being prayed without faith, they're just falling into the river. They never get there. But the ones that are being prayed in faith, they're getting to the throne of God. I said, Wow. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Will he really find faith on the earth? But here's the thing, you guys. You don't need to have million-dollar faith. Penny faith will do. He said if you have faith the grain size of a mustard seed, just a little teeny mustard seed, it's enough. You can move mountains with that kind of faith. That's all the faith you need to go to God, to the throne of grace. And so... uh, what do you think this parable is about? Uh, 
We'll read the first line. Then he spoke a parable to them and said that the eyes ought to pray and not lose heart. Oh, there you go. I know it was a trick question. That was terrible. I shouldn't do that. We heard that earlier this morning. Keep praying. Don't lose heart. The answer may not be exactly what you think it's going to be. But again, we're not God. But it's on the way. Um, you know, we don't do a lot of hymns anymore. And I understand why musically. <laughs> Some of them musically are just, yeah, you know. But for our day. However, I'll take it over rap. Anyway, so, personally, that's just personal. I like some rap, but just not yours. No, anyway, so. This, this uh, hymn came to me when I was preparing this message. What a friend we have in Jesus. Written in 1855 by Joseph Scriven. What a friend we have in Jesus. I'm not going to sing it. No, I wouldn't do that to you, my raspy voice. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we any trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Isn't that awesome? There's my whole message right there. We can take it to the Lord in prayer. Access to the throne of grace. But not just to receive answers to prayer, and I'm going to end with this, but also to maintain the peace of Christ that's been given to us. If you're, if you're struggling to maintain peace with God, the admonition is to pray, is to go to the throne of grace in prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. Man, that, that's worth reading again. I mean, it's amazing when you think about what he's saying. You don't have to worry about anything. Instead, take everything that you worry about to prayer and make prayer Supplication, ask in prayer with thanksgiving, and let your requests be known to God. The result, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and in your minds through Christ Jesus. Wow. So prayer is not only just to get answers to the things that you need help for, it's also to help maintain the peace of Christ that's been given to us. So we don't worry. So we don't like basically just wrestle everything through with no result. 
when we could actually be asking, knowing that God hears our prayers. Did you notice it says, with thanksgiving? Um, I've been in a lot of public prayer meetings over the years. <sighs> oh, my. <laughs> Some of them are just really difficult to endure, to be honest. Because a lot of the public prayer meetings I've been in, it's like people begin to tell God what he already knows. They begin to preach at God. They begin to preach at everybody else. They begin to do a sermon. They begin to complain. They begin to go against people. All these different kinds of things except to ask, seek, and knock. And that kind of prayer is really wearying. And so the, I was thinking about this several years ago. It's like, man, Lord, certainly we can do better than this. And he gave me a dream. Like two nights afterwards, he gave me a dream. First, I didn't know what it was about, but I did after I asked. Here's what the dream was. I was standing in a tomb and there was this great big diesel engine in the tomb. And I knew in my heart that inside that diesel engine uh, casket, there was somebody who was dead. Like it was his coffin. And their coffin. And so I'm standing there, and I'm like, well, I'm supposed to get this person out of there. Jesus raised the dead. And so I said, Lord, you know, what do I do? And he said, pray like my son prayed when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And it immediately came to me. Father, I thank you that you always hear me and that you're hearing me now, but I'm not saying that for, the, for my sake, but the sake of those who are standing here so that they'll believe. I was like, oh, that prayer. In other words, he had already gone to God and he'd already petitioned him, and now he was just standing there and thanking him for the answer that he knew was coming. And so I said, so I did. So I, I said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. And I just, I'm saying this, not for my sake, but for the sake of others. And as soon as I said that, I looked to my left, and the person that was inside the diesel engine was standing next to me, and it was Jesus. And I woke up. Pretty wild dream, huh? And I woke up and I went, wow, Lord, what was that? I was shaking. I was like, that was some kind of dream. And he said, that's about your problem with prayer. He said, I want you to start praying with thanksgiving. He said, if you start praying with thanksgiving instead of all these other things, you won't be frustrated. And I was like, wow, that would be amazing if we did that personally and corporately. So... I hope, I hope this is getting through this morning. Just, we, we have so much access to God. We have so many things to think about, worry about, wrestle with, we're frustrated with. We have a lot of that stuff, don't we? Maybe even trouble, you know, personal troubles. But we can take it to the Lord in prayer. So, I'm just going to close by summing up with this. First of all, know that Jesus has provided bold access to, to ask in prayer. 
Secondly, come as a child of God. Simply ask. Don't think it. Wrestle it out emotionally, but ask it in prayer. Come as one who is devoted, trusting, and committed to God's pathway. And understand that God is a good father, but he's not an ATM machine, he's not a bellhop, and he's not Santa Claus. The answers will come his way. The last thing is Jesus is our friend. He's not our adversary. Instead of worrying, pray. Your peace of mind as well as your help depends on it. And that's all I have to say about that. Let's stand. We sometimes wonder, you know, why doesn't God, like, intervene in all these horrible situations around the world, you know? I, I was in worship just thinking about that this morning, you know. I mean, that is a question. It's like, man, why do we have to wait so long? It says that God is holding back his wrath. God is, God it says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. But you know what? Since Jesus, he's holding it back. And there is a day of reckoning. There is a day when God will wrap everything up. What's happening in the meantime is that he's patiently waiting for his goodness to lead us to repentance so that we'll come to a saving knowledge of Christ. But there is a time where he'll wrap it up. And until that time, we got a lot of stuff on our plate, don't we? Personally, broad picture. And I was even thinking about this. Here's a broad stroke prayer, I think, we should be praying. This is a little bit prophetic. I don't know. Maybe it's pathetic. We'll see. I think we should be praying for another manifestation of the spirit of Elijah to come on the earth. Just think about that for a minute. We know that the spirit of Elijah has already come, says Jesus said that. But he said through the Holy Spirit said through Malachi that he would come again in the last days. And he would do what? He would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. I think probably the number one issue, and this is not detracting from all the great things that women do, but the number one issue the devil has really just, you know, pushed on the earth, and especially in Western culture, is fatherlessness. And it's killing us. It's tearing us apart. A lot of the things that we see that we don't like that are happening right now are, are directly a result of broken families and particularly fatherlessness. This prayer of the spirit of Elijah coming again in manifestation on the earth has to do with restoring the family of the earth at every level. The paternal family, the family of God, the family of mankind. And I think if we would actually be serious about this and pester God about this, he might actually answer it. Say, well, that might speed up the end times. Well, so be it. Peter said to hasten the coming of the Lord. It's one way to do it.
The sooner the spirit of Elijah comes and turns the hearts again, and we have worldwide revival and billions of souls are saved because of it, the sooner Jesus can come and wrap things up. So, Father, that's my prayer to end this morning. I'm asking you, Father, and I'm thanking you ahead of time because I know this is your heart, and I'm praying for a manifestation of the spirit of Elijah to come on the earth again. In power, Lord, in power, turning hearts, changing minds with manifestations of the miraculous in every possible way, Lord, healing, visions, power encounters, dreams, visions, the whole, the whole nine yards, Lord. I'm asking you, God, to send the spirit of Elijah once again to turn the hearts, Lord. And I just thank you, God, that we can come with this bold access because of Jesus to a throne called grace and know that there's help for us and mercy in our time of need in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Love you. Thanks for listening to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon. If you would like to be a part of seeing people encounter God, experience transformation, and be equipped to advance the kingdom, you have the opportunity to partner with us through giving at jesuspursuit.org forward slash give. Together, we can make Jesus famous in Albany, the Northwest, and the nations. We hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.